morning and welcome to Talk of the Town. I'm Dan Gall with Marion Doyle on our left and Bob Metz on our right. It is left, right, and center. And thanks for joining us this morning. Morning, Dan. Morning. We invite, of course, our listeners to join us in this hour-long discussion as we take a look at certain topics and get the perspective from the left, right, and perhaps the center. You decide which side you want to be on, obviously. Our numbers this morning are 643-1290, star-1290 on the Cantel network. And uh, we have a, a, a slew of topics to discuss this morning, and I think that um, the, the hottest one that we've had on the air this week uh our local stories and uh, the first one that i wanted to get your thoughts and your opinions on is the one that hit the paper uh well actually it was hit the paper on yesterday where they uh, had an article on the rights to life float in the santa claus parade and i was wondering your opinions if you will with regards is it appropriate for right for life to have a float in a Santa Claus parade? It, it depends on the mandate of the parade itself, I suppose. I, I didn't see the parade this year, and I, I assume when we say a right to life float, are we just talking about a Christmas float sponsored by right to life, or are we talking about a float that's actually uh, promoting um, they were, you know, the the issue is more of a political statement. Yeah, it was, it was it, definitely a political. It was a statement. political. Then I would say it would be inappropriate. And I would say any political uh, statement is inappropriate. The Santa Claus Parade is there uh, for children and families. It's there to celebrate and to talk about the uh, the kinds of uh, of holiday uh, matters that that arise to to give the kids a a real sense of the uh, seasonal. Um, treats that are in store for them, and I really don't think any kind of political statement is, is appropriate. I don't think it would be, would be appropriate for a political party to put a float in, for example. But then again, you know, I'm thinking of Andreas's call this morning. He thought the whole parade was a political statement, <laughs> you know, celebrating <laughs> capitalism and, 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 and well, commercialism. Well, it is, it is that, but uh, on the other hand, I mean, that's within the context of a capitalist society, so what are you going to do? Well, that's the way people are. They trade, and they, and, and they want to trade peacefully. What about, though, the right for life's position that we heard over the air uh, the last couple of days is that they couldn't find any better platform or any better uh, place to be than in a Santa Claus parade when you are celebrating life, you are celebrating children, and their position is the right for, for a life for a child, an unborn child. You know, it, it's it's funny. Uh, you know, if somebody's going to let me into the parade to to put a Freedom Party float up, I'd go, yeah, that's a great venue for me too, because wherever or, you or get me for the pro-choice side, sure, exactly or, for or, Peral. Um, now, you know, I'm, and I know a lot of people find it a contradiction. We we, we discussed uh, the abortion issue on this show only once, actually, in the past three years, but but I'm both like uh, I, I'm pro-choice and basically anti-abortion on a personal level. Um, I don't think abortion should be used so much as, as birth control as it is. I don't think abortion should be funded by the government. I don't think abortion should be, uh, you know, on the other hand, regulated by different people. I think the choice belongs to the woman, in, in whether she has one or not. Which uh, is, of course, true now after the Supreme Court yes. finding. Now, whether people believe differently, you know, I, I used to be with Right to Life, believe it or not. And I found after a few years of, of being with them that... that somehow there was a misunderstanding of both what rights were and what life itself was in a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, last week we were talking about uh, um, 
what was it, you know, talking about rights, voting for the rights children's of the children. Rights. And, and, yeah. and all the parents were up in arms about, oh, no, kids don't have rights. Mm -hmm. Well, do they have them when before they're born then, but they don't have them after they're born for a while and they get them again later? How does that work? Mm -hmm. you know? It's quite bizarre, you know, because a lot of the folks who are very, very strongly pro-life um, uh, are also... Uh, very strongly anti any kind of sex education, anti any kind of birth control information being given to people. Uh, they are uh, uh, very vehemently opposed to children's rights, children's rights to choose uh, their health care. They want uh, children to be controlled. And so it really is a conundrum. I agree with, with Bob on, on this issue. I mean, I do believe it is the woman's choice with the advice of her, her chosen health care professional. Um, I do regret and, and feel exactly the same way that abortion should never be used as a form of, of birth control. I don't think it is to the extent that uh, a lot of the pro-life people try to, uh, try to suggest it is. But it is a traumatic experience to have to make a decision like that. And I don't think it's a decision that should be taken lightly. Uh, I think there often isn't enough counseling and support available to people if they find themselves in, in, a, in a situation where they're contemplating what choice they're going to make. I think all of that is true. But I don't think the Santa Claus Parade is, is, a, is a platform for political uh, lobbying of that kind. My immediate response to when I heard about this was I wonder if the JCs would have allowed a pro-choice float exactly in that parade or now, a Freedom I mean, Party a, float or an a NDP float? Yeah, yeah, that's a hypothetical question. And we also had another. But, but, but call of course, the fundamental issue is it's their right to decide who's in the parade. I, I think we're. I'm not sitting sitting here saying that the right to life doesn't have a right to be in the parade. Mm -hmm. if, the, if the organizers of the parade let them in, then in a sense, it's their property. But, uh, but, if they well, but is it appropriate and consistent with the theme of Santa Claus and Christmas? I would, I would think not. <laughs> and I would agree. I mean, uh, on either side of the issue, by the way. And the, the other uh, argument that we had heard this, this week was if you, if Right for Life do not have a right to be in that parade, then why would the mayor or any other government party, you know, that's in a car waving to people have a right to be in that parade as well well no one has a right to be in it whoever organizes the parade has the right to decide who's in the parade and certainly all the and time uh, i was in government i was never invited to be in the parade or yeah. or suggested that i be in the parade mm. because i don't think it's an appropriate venue I see, for the mayor it's a little different the mayor of the city that's a that's it, it is a civic it is a civic parade it's a it's a parade that disrupts the traffic in the city and is is part of the celebration the city's celebration of christmas i don't find that difficult to to deal with at all mm -hmm. i mean sitting in a car and waving is very different than a float uh and 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 the distribution of a lot of uh of literature well you know i was even thinking say say if my party freedom party had a float in the parade it wouldn't be about freedom party it would be a christmas float well and that's you know, and we'd and have and a christmas theme and we'd sure. have maybe freedom party on the side but that's it and in fairness no legislated santa no claus, legislated santa claus <laughs> and no arguments about whether santa's a socialist or not in, in fairness to in <laughs> definitely fairness, not definitely a capitalist <laughs> well, in fairness to the right for life <laughs> Uh, float. In fairness to them, uh, the the report that I read was that the float's original plans were to sport pictures of fetuses and included leaflets to distribute along the parade route. Now we had people that were part of the float on the air 
telling us that they had a wonderful time, that the, the float was in very good taste, and um, there was really no harm of it being in there to begin with. And, uh, you know, I, again, the fact that, and, and, which, which... And they would have been the first to call you, Dan, and object if the uh, abortion rights group had done a similar thing. They would be the very first people well, the, to call the, you and the, object. the argument that we had heard with regards to that, because we did point that out, I, I wanted to make sure that we were clear that if it was, would the pro-choice have that same opportunity and they were in that parade, would you, would you have any objection? And they were very quick to point out that they found no reason for pro-choice <laughs> would be in that parade in that it wouldn't go with the theme of Christmas. The, you know, the theme of Christmas of Jesus being born and, and a baby, that they had a hard time understanding the connection between pro-choice and Christmas the Santa Claus parade. People who are fanatics on any side of any issue have a hard time seeing any other side of the issue. Uh, you know, I have no problem with either side making their information known and available. It's just that don't do it on every single social occasion and don't do it on things that are created for different purposes. A purpose has a purpose. You have a, a single issue, a single celebration that you want to do. You don't want to bring the rest of, the, of life into it, so to speak. And in fact, in fact uh, the, the, the uh, demonstration that is regularly done around Mother's Day uh, by this group is a very effective, very peaceful way of, of doing things. Uh, they they have a number of venues in which uh, they can they can you know attract attention to to an issue and have have certainly I don't think ever ever faced any anybody trying to sanction them for I think they they hold hands around mm -hmm. the hospital property or. Or, or the whole length of the city or something, I mean, and, 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 and have their signs and so on, and, and they do that. Um, I, just, I just think that's a political action that they're doing, it's a, 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 and it's, it's, it's clearly done to persuade people to their point of view. I don't think in a Santa Claus parade you're trying to persuade people to political points of view, whichever they are. Mm. I mean, if in fact the, the answer of the JCs were to say to the, to the uh, uh, Abortion Rights League uh, that they can put a float in next year, I would vehemently object to that. I would be urging them not to do that, that it's not the appropriate venue. Mm -hmm. We had a suggestion from the email uh, this morning that Santa Claus, the Santa Claus parade, Santa should be at the front of the parade, <laughs> right? The kids can see Santa and then all the other political positions. <laughs> <laughs> paid, paid political oh, announcements. That's right. right. Well, this well then the, I don't think the Chamber of Commerce would be interested in that case. <laughs> because let's face it, the reason that the JCs have this parade, the reason for any Santa Claus parade in any town in Ontario, is to get people excited about Christmas, for uh, businesses to show what they are offering in terms of special uh, um, promise for Christmas to to try and 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 talk about uh, the the in a very open way about the commercial aspect of, of Christmas it, it pretends to be nothing else it's a lot of fun it's it gets people excited it gets people thinking about what gifts they're going to buy hopefully it also gets people thinking about being kind to one another and generous to one another in in another way but I just don't think that's the venue for political proselytizing. What I found interesting from some of your callers you had earlier this week, Dan, was some of them that insisted that having a right to life float in the parade was not a political statement. That this wasn't political. 
you know that the that they just accepted their position as fact mm -hmm. and that and that anybody who thinks differently is being political but they're being real and that they're being you know fundamental and, and that it's not a political statement it's just a, a statement of fact and this just you know evades the whole issue it, it definitely is a political issue there's no way about it the issue is not life itself but rights mm. and this is one thing that i found that uh, many people in the right to life movement when i was involved with it did not really focus on the meaning of what a right is and what a right means you can't like i argue that even children don't have rights in the sense that adults do rights accrue as you as as you grow older and and are able to assume the responsibilities that are attached to the rights. That's right. We you have can't give an unborn child responsibilities, so therefore it cannot possess rights to begin with. And if you give the child rights, and that means that the state has to protect those rights, then the mother doesn't have any rights over her body. The state can then say you can't smoke, you can't engage in that diet. As as you one court tried to do. Yes, and that's 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 what happens. Um, I'm all for reducing abortion by every means possible. We certainly shouldn't be subsidizing it, and we shouldn't be encouraging it, and we shouldn't be um, creating a society where the pressures are such that so many uh, women are having, you know, children out of wedlock and children without parents and this kind of situation. But this speaks to a whole other problem. You can't make it go away by, by, by prohibition, you know. And one of the ways to, to make people responsible parents is to make sure that the information is available to them about the consequences of, of uh, what a, a sexual union is and to teach people that if in fact they're not in a position to be responsible for, for a, a possible conceived child that there are ways for them to prevent that from happening including as we've talked about before abstinence in the mm -hmm. first place but also all of the birth control methods that are available and uh, and all of the counseling around how to how to deal with over persuasion shall we say you're listening to left right and center on 1290 cjbk with marion boyd and bob metz and dan gall 643 1290 star 1290 on the cantel network love to hear from you this morning and we'll be back to talk more from the left right and the center right after this on 1290 cjbk it's 11 22 at 1290 cjbk left right and center with marion boyd bob metz and dan gall 643 1290 Star 1290 on the Cantel Network. I want to change uh, topics here and uh, talk about a poll that was conducted on the internet. Uh, Canoe.ca is a news uh, website, home site, and they conducted a poll through their C News. Uh, the poll uh, was uh, that they were asked the question if. Uh, children younger than 14 should be tried as adults in murder cases and the results of this poll almost 70 percent of those who voted in the c news poll said any young offender including those 14 or younger should be treated as an adult and face stiffer penalties the responses came in the wake of reports that a 15 year old toronto youth was killed sunday by a group of older teens demanding cigarettes and money. Uh, and was just wondering your response to that poll where 70% said yes, children younger than 14 should be tried as adults in murder cases. It's a, it's a pretty clear uh, example of where hot-button politics takes over. 
Um, and it's a terribly tragic case. I think all of us are shocked. However, the police are telling us that the youth who participated in this were 18 to 20, according to the information yeah, they've this, had. Yeah, this article says 16 to, to 20. To tie these t two issues together and then say to people, so shouldn't we try people under, under 14 for murder as adults, is, is very unfair polling. The two things have nothing to do with each other intrinsically. It just doesn't follow. So that's number one. Mm -hmm. And that kind of poll, uh, if you do it that way, you can always elicit. That's the problem with, with any kind of referendum. If you, if you push the hot buttons in such a way that people uh, are, are emotionally upset, as I think we all are about this awful tragedy, uh, then you can get people to vote uh, that way. So that's number one. Number two, no, I don't believe that... Uh, that you necessarily would want to try every young offender under 14 in an adult court. But I can see, and there is a possibility, and crowns do apply to the courts to be able to do that in certain cases of violence. The, 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 uh, the Young Offenders Act was changed to allow them to do that. And for those 14, uh, 16 and up, uh, the proposal uh, that, that they uh, the Crown have to prove that they should not be tried in adult court is, 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 the, is the, the way that goes. So, no, I don't believe so. I believe the courts, based on the facts of the particular case, would make a decision as to whether or not it's appropriate to do that. If, we, you've, got a, if you've got a youngster who's been, been, been sort of uh, lured into some, some behavior and, and dared to do something, didn't, in didn't, didn't intend to kill, but may have, you know, y y the, the court has to decide that. They have to look at the circumstances of the case as they do for adults. And, and the other part of it is people don't seem to realize what we are letting ourselves in for as a society um, if, we're, if we're not very clear about the consequences of assuming that someone who's convicted as an adult at age 14 and what a life sentence means and what, 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 what that all deals with in terms of the ability to rehabilitate that person, because that person will get out. Um, just hold that thought, and Bob, before you interject, mm -hmm. and we're going to definitely get you. We have two calls. John is on line one, and he wants to talk about what we were talking about previously. So let's sure. let's deal with John, and we also have Larry in that wants to talk about the Young Offenders Act. So Larry, hang in. We'll be right with you, but we do want to squeeze John in before we get off track completely on our last segment. John, welcome to the show. Uh, actually, that's what they were talking about. Uh, I was uh, showing repeats. I was looking at repeats on the TV, and the friend of that, like Christmas, actually, like I'm fairly religious. Uh, uh, Christmas celebrates the birth of Jesus Christ, and uh, right at the front of the float said uh, something about Jesus on it, the front of the float. And then there was uh, kids and mothers on the float. The float was nicely decorated, nice and white with, uh, uh, like, uh, uh, made up uh, silk clothes or whatever like that. And uh, actually, I think they did a lot of work in this. But they could put a message because that uh, uh, the Santa Claus celebrates like Santa Claus is coming. Santa Claus is coming. So Christmas is actually celebrating the birth
I'm sorry to interrupt. We've, we've got your, your message, and we thank you, but you're very hard to hear. We've got a really bad connection here. But we got your point, and your message was basically that it was a very nice float, and that perhaps, it, you know, although it is a Santa Claus parade, there is also a, a religious connotation with it, and that is the birth of Christ. And, and that, I guess that's John's response to what we were saying, where we were thinking that, no, there, you know, we just don't think it's a proper vehicle. To use. Well, I, I haven't changed my mind. Okay. All right. Sorry, John. We just we, we just had a really hard time listening and hearing you. Six four three twelve ninety star twelve ninety on the Cantel Network. It's left, right, and center with Marion Boyd and Bob Metz and Dan Gall, and we welcome Larry into the uh, Good morning fray. Good to the three of you. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, this chasing trial, where this kid was uh, kicked. I guess he's kicked to death. It sounds like it. Punched well, and kicked. Tears, I brought, it brought tears to my eyes when I read that. I mean, All of us, I think, yeah. I mean, I mean the youngest, it's probably young offenders that are involved. They all wore masks, according to the newspaper report, but I think we're going to have to start toughening the laws in this country regarding this kind of behavior. It's not a case of self-defense. I mean, we have right to defend ourselves against attack, or, 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 but this kid was minding his own business. He was asked for cigarettes, and he probably didn't have any, and one of his friends offered this, this uh, person that cigarette, and he took the whole package on, and then he... I guess they left, right? They left this area, and then the, the kid asked, why are you picking on us? And they turned around and started kicking them to death. Yeah, I think it's a very disturbing situation. And I think high time that these people be uh, publicly, their names publicized. I mean, I, I get sick of reading, and you can't name them under supervision of the European Penitentiary. These things have more rights over the victims than I am. Are the Canadians sick to my gills with it? Well, I think I think you know part of the part of the issue here is we do not know whether these were young offenders, and in fact, in the Star this morning, the uh, police report was saying that they have reason to believe these people are in the 18 to 20 uh, bracket, and they would have their names published. They they would be tried as adults automatically. If they're above age 16, they would be tried as adults unless there's an overwhelming reason that the court agrees that they wouldn't be. Uh, tried as adults. Uh, there, there wasn't much, uh, I, I, I certainly haven't seen anything that suggests they were 14 or under. And so I, I think what we really need to, to, to look at here is, yes, this is a tragedy. Yes, we want to prevent this. Yes, we want to be sure that whatever action we take through the police and the courts prevents this kind of thing from happening. But to use hot-button politics and talk about uh, having young offenders under the age of 14 tried as adults in connection with this case, there is no logical connection at this point. If it turns out that someone is arrested and someone is 14 or under, then of course there will be a debate, and I think people are always disturbed when they see that happen. Weren't we all disturbed when we saw the, uh, the young children who were under 12 in Britain who, who had killed uh, the, the other child on the railway tracks. Mm -hmm. and that, was, that was desperately We uh, had a summer upsetting. case in Vancouver. Uh, Absolutely. That, that Vancouver case with the that Burke, young... Uh, the Burke young woman, exactly. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Bob? You know, I think people have a romantic notion about children in general, really, and whenever we see images or actions of children that don't fit our previously conceived notion of young innocence, that you know, we go off the deep end for some reason. I don't think that a case like this is an argument for, for treating all cases under 14 as adults. I don't think that's, that, that's a can of worms we don't want to touch. Because if we're saying that kids under 14 can be treated as adults when they commit murders, why can't they be treated as adults when they're, when they're not doing criminal activity? When they want to drive. Know, or, or when they, they want to drive or have sex or anything like that. We'd have to change all our, our rape laws and things like that. It just wouldn't, you're opening a can of worms here. Now, 
I think what the public is is really dealing with here, what I, I agreed with practically everything Marion said at, on, on this subject, about the hot-button politics, mm -hmm. I think that hot-button pushes a certain emotion in people and an overall frustration that they're having with the justice system in general, not just, uh, you know, these certain inc isolated incidents. Um, I think the media generally, I don't even know if it's, if it's a true image or not, because um, let's face it, no news is good news, and the stuff you read about in the papers is generally the worst things that are happening in society every day. Let me uh, share with the two of you um, uh, further to this, mm -hmm. this article. In the United States yesterday, a 13-year-old was convicted of second-degree murder for shooting a man when he was just 11. Jurors in Pontiac, Michigan, rejected a conviction on first-degree murder charges against Nathaniel Abraham with the second-degree murder conviction. The boy faces a maximum of life in prison with the possibility of parole. The jury deliberated over four days after listening to eight days of testimony. And isn't that, isn't that a, a tragic thing when we also know from the article that that child uh, is, 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 has about a mental age of six? And, uh, you know, we, we really are looking at a situation that calls upon us to really look at when we are going to talk about people being uh, responsible, understanding the consequences of their actions and that sort of thing, and, 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 and being able to change their behavior uh, through whatever punishment is meted out. Here we have a youngster who did a horrible thing, no question about that, and nobody thinks that was okay. Uh, but we also have to really look at whether uh, putting, putting that child in jail uh, for, for life um, is, is, is the appropriate response uh, when there's every reason to believe from the, from the defense position anyway that he had no way of really telling what's right or wrong. Really grasping. Yeah. Now let me ask you this then. Um, you have a situation in Toronto, and I know, I mean, it's a couple hours up the road, but... This, the report that I read this morning suggests that, one, the, the homicide, homicide detectives say, as far as motive goes, there wasn't one. And psychologists are suggesting and are on record as saying today that these swarmings, these guys are getting their kicks out of this. I mean, this is how they get their kicks. They're not, they're not doing it with any other motive other than... Um, arousal. Mm -hmm. I mean, so when if you've got and and this is you know you're you're suggesting today that the Toronto Star is indicating it's 18 to 20 years of age. That, that's what they said this morning. What if it's 16 years of age? And, and it's not like it hasn't happened. These swarmings involving 16 year olds. I mean, to, and it isn't as though the court hasn't agreed that people should be tried as adults when the facts in front of the court suggest that they knew what they were doing and they are responsible and they ought to be treated as adults. Nothing, th th that happens, and that has happened. So the, 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 the Crown has the opportunity to present under 16 why somebody should be treated as an adult, and between 16 and 18 has to say why they shouldn't be treated as an adult. You know, the defense, the defense gets to speak up mm -hmm. as to why they shouldn't. So I mean, in, in, in either case, Stan, uh, the law as it stands uh, provides for the facts of the case to be adjudicated and a decision to be made based on the facts of the case. Now, now going back to the case that you just mentioned where, where you, you, the, 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 the perpetrator was apparently mentally handicapped in some way, 
wouldn't the jury have have estimated that or looked at that as well before they rendered their decision? Maybe they disagree with that. Maybe they felt that was just a specious argument used to trying to defend him and well, dismissed they, it. Well, they did, they did refuse to convict him for first-degree murder, which was mm -hmm. what the, uh, the uh, uh, what do you call them there, uh, district attorney had suggested. Uh, as so they were using their judgment. But you've got to remember, I mean, one of the things I worry about is I don't want us in Canada to move into the kind of punitive uh, punishment industry that has become all the rage in the United States. Mm. The only expanding uh, community service area uh, in the United States is the building of prisons and the maintaining of, of uh, prisoners longer and longer at the state expense. A, l a large part of that in the states is because of the overwhelming uh, weight put on their jails from their drug laws and, That's and right. people that are going into jails for drugs. I, I agree with you that, that punishment is not the place for emphasis. The emphasis, I think, is public safety. Mm -hmm. And if you're locking people up, don't think about locking them up because you're punishing them. You're locking them up to keep everybody else safe from mm -hmm. them because they've already demonstrated they can't be trusted in a social setting. Um, the whole idea of the way we run our prisons and the idea of punishment that, that uh, a person's committed a crime against society is counter to what actually happens. A person commits a crime against another individual or individuals. And they're the only true victims. We, you know, they're the ones that are due some kind of compensation or something. I think when you put a prisoner in prison and any kind of work they do or anything they do is productive or they get paid for, it should be going to the victim and victim's family. And again, I think in this case, if I remember what the testimony was, there was testimony from experts on the gun that was involved in this case saying that there's no way anybody could deliberately have done anything with this gun. It was so out of whack in terms of of, of its sights uh, that, uh, you know, the mercy was nobody else was killed. But what about Larry's point of publishing the names? Uh, is, would you look at that as a, a deterrence Absolutely. for I'm, these kids? I'm in favor of that to a large degree. I'll, I'll tell you, I was once involved with an individual and I found out through my own sources that the person had had a criminal record. And uh, unfortunately, the London police found out that I found out. And I got a real nasty call from the London police saying that I'm not supposed to know this guy's criminal record. Even though subsequently he, the guy assaulted me <laughs> and was convicted in court. Hmm. Um, so I can't even have the information when I'm dealing with somebody. You know, I'm not legally allowed to have that information. Like, to me, that should be basic. Any That's employer... And, and I don't know, are you saying this was a young offender? Or is no, no, this anybody? was an adult. Okay. You know, I'm talking about uh, <laughs> exactly. any serious offender who's doing any kind of crime against property and, and or there's person. And there's a reason Drug for that. laws is a whole other issue, I don't there's, think. There's a reason for that, of course, Bob, and that is that you don't want to prejudice the case. You can't prejudice the rights of the person. And, and the court does not hear about... Well, I'm not talking about court. I'm talking about after the conviction and a person has a criminal record. Uh, having the public access to those records. Once, once it's already through the courts. I don't even think you should be publishing names until somebody's proven, you know, in terms of uh, being guilty mm. of something. You're listening to Left, Right, and Center with uh, Marion Boyd and Bob Metz and Dan Gall. 643-1290, star 1290 on the Cantel Network. If you'd like to uh, jump into the conversation, we welcome you. And let's say good morning to Roger. Roger, hello. Hi, good morning. I'll just throw another curve at this uh, situation in Toronto where this young lad was apparently kicked to death. A very sad case, quite honestly. Um, I, I think we can only hope that in the next couple of days they arrest somebody or come up with something down there. Uh, if we believe the uh, NYPD blue and law and order, it'll only take a few interviews and they'll have somebody. But that especially, especially with a $15,000 uh, reward. 
Yes, uh, apparently. Yeah, that's what I was calling about because I found it rather interesting. Uh, they're offering now this, that reward is offered by one individual, um, a Russian Jewish man, apparently, or something like that. Yes. Which right. is wonderful. But you know, just recently in Toronto, I think they had a maybe they still have that situation where some cats were being mutilated and and people came up with sixty thousand dollar reward. Mm -hmm. yeah. And here we are, a young man that that's, that's been killed. And uh, they can only come up with $15,000 at this early stage. But I imagine if this goes on very much longer, maybe there will be some people add to the, uh, to the reward fund. But I just find it rather uh, uh, amazing in this day and age that this is what we can come up with. I do, too. Well, I, I think... that happens. Yeah, I think how the parents would feel about that, that contrast, you know. On the other hand, it isn't usual to come up with, with large amounts of reward until uh, a, an investigation is a little further along than this one. I mean, normally what you're really looking at is uh, through normal police, uh, police methods, if you go longer than a week or even two weeks in a case like this, then other groups begin to say, okay, we really have to find some other way to get this investigation mm -hmm. going. But in the, in the Russian Jewish community in, in, in Toronto, uh, there is real concern about uh, the, the kind of gang behavior. I know the police said this wasn't a gang. I mean, frankly, a group of people hanging around together with bandanas and, and balaclavas on uh, are terrorizing people in a public park is a gang. I don't care whether they say it's not a gang. It is a gang. And so I didn't understand the police officer saying, we have no reason to believe this is gang-related. That's a gang. That's a youth I, gang. I think usually when police use that word, they're talking organized crime, big scale, yeah. not just the neighborhood kids getting together. Sure, sure. But youth gangs are a concern to, to our communities. And what we're seeing, I mean, certainly the, 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 the kinds of things that we're seeing in our major cities, where youth have no recreational uh, activities they have they have no place to do they hang about I don't think they, it's recreational it, it goes right back to West Side Story <laughs> frankly you know and I think they need a job well. I think we should be putting kids to work earlier I mean they should have the opportunity to work earlier and not have all those labor laws and restrictions against them they should be able to enter the work market uh, sooner here we go down that road uh, again well don't you think so you no, think that I would be a lot healthier so. than being idle and I hanging out in parks and I, threatening I, people I, I think they should be doing community service uh, projects I think they should be involved oh, wrong in the community incentive, wrong incentive that, that'll just turn them into worse criminals uh, you know people have to be taught to operate in their self-interest in such a way that it is not harmful to society. And if, if the only time that anybody tells you you're doing good is when you're doing something for somebody else at, a, at an expense to yourself, you're not going to enjoy life very much. You're not going to have a very good attitude towards your fellow man either. You see, see everybody as a parasite. And so unless you, you can move through society operating on your self-interest without hurting other people, you don't need to that's rob a, that's people. That's a pretty sweeping statement. I think there are yeah, lots of people, thousands and thousands of <laughs> no people doubt about it. who volunteer and who will tell you it is its own reward. So. Yeah, so those are people who are acting out of their own self-interest. But when you tell a kid, you know, no, no, you're, you're going to take them off forcing. the street and force them. I'm not to, talking oh. about forcing. I, I don't oh. talk about forcing so, so, people. So you think that I think offering what, what we used to do with kids. There were all sorts of different groups like for, for girls it was CGIT or, or 
guides and scouts and so on, where there were activities that you did that were for the benefit of your community. So what would you do with these kids, you know, who are having gangs in the park? You're going to just say, hey, hey guys, don't do what you're doing. Come on over here and do some welfare work well, for us. Some of the best, some of the best street ministry, if you like, some of the best projects for, for kids in, in, in cities, which have proven to be very, very effective, are exactly that kind of thing. Saying to kids, hey, you've got nothing to do. I got a real like I got something that over here that 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 you might be interested in. Come on and help me. Uh, isn't that isn't that what the bells of St. Mary's is all about? And but that why is that so much better than offering them a job or letting them get into the job market or letting they, them? They, well, you know? they can work, as you know, Bob. Uh, you know, without without anybody's permission from a very early age, and many young people do work. In fact, the schools worry that they work so much that they don't have time to do their work, their their homework and. Let's and, take and a call. Learn. 643-1290, star-1290 on the Cantel Network. You're listening to Left, Right, and Center with Marion Boyd and Bob Metz, Dan Gall, and Dave on the cell. Hey, Dave. Hi, how are you? Good. Um, I just got a comment to make. I, I help run a kids' baseball league in London here, and we have, you know, approximately 2,000 kids. And back to what you were talking about earlier regarding, uh, you know, checking the people's uh, criminal records and things like that, I have you know, 50-some-odd coaches down there, and I have absolutely no way of checking to see whether they have any kind of a past uh, record with, you know, offenses against children or anything like that. And it's pretty scary, actually, because, we, you know, the majority of them are we know really well and they're very good. But you never know. You get the odd one that may come around that we don't know of, and uh, things could really uh, turn bad quick. Mm-hmm. Well, in fact, in fact, I believe that the changes to the Child and Family Services Act that have been passed, but haven't parts of it haven't been promulgated yet, um, would would provide for the necessity uh, for a lot of volunteer organizations to screen through the police. Now, the problem with that is it costs money. Uh, there are many agencies, for example, that do have to screen their staff or their volunteers. Uh, Big Brothers and Big Sisters are, are an example. Um, and um, uh, certainly there's been a lot of discussion about whether that ought to be a routine thing, particularly in the, in the light of the revelations at uh, Maple Leaf Gardens, as to whether it ought to be a routine thing that people... Take a look in our backyard, kids. the uh, Citizen of the Year down in Tilsonburg. Exactly. That's well, right. So, 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 Dave, have you ever tried that? Yeah, we uh, we approached the London police, and uh, they said that we're not allowed to do that. Exactly. And uh, regardless whether it, it takes money or not, um, you know, to us, uh, a little bit of money or whatever it takes is a lot uh, easier to put out than having to worry about, you know, little Johnny or whoever mm -hmm. being approached by an evil person. Well, there's some there's something afoot, and whether it was in those changes or proposed changes for the next uh, round, to try and and do this and to require this for for all teachers and and that sort of thing. I don't know whether, uh, as I say, even if it's been passed, it hasn't been put into effect. So, who knows whether it's just too sweeping and and uh, wouldn't stand a, a charter challenge? I don't know, but I do share your concern. I think when we when we see, for example, yesterday in the legislature. Uh, the women uh, from Grandview finally getting an apology nearly 30 years later for the kind of abuse they suffered in a provincial institution which was supposed to correct their behavior, supposed to rehabilitate them. Uh, we know that there are, there are all sorts of opportunities for kids to be exploited in these kinds of circumstances. Dave, we appreciate your call, and, and we, uh, we do empathize with you because, you know, un unfortunately, as, as Dave knows, that when he finds out, it's going to be too late. Exactly. Yep. 
Good call, Dave. You know what I might suggest? You know what you could do, and I'm I'm surprised at how how often things come up. Is just do a name search on the internet. You wouldn't believe what pops is up right? with some people. Amazing. Yeah, we had actually, you can a whole history of some people. We, we had an organization offer to to uh, help do that with us. You know, go through it and uh, you know run a few names or whatever and see what come up, what would come up. Uh, but then I, I just worry about the legalities of something like that. I don't want somebody thinking, you know, here I am, uh, they're checking my name on all this, and, and I don't approve of it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Dave, thanks for your call. Uh, good point. Nice take. Thank you. All the best. Bye-bye. 643 1290, Star 1290 on the Cantel Network. You're listening to Left, Right, and Center with Marion Boyd, Bob Metz, and Dan Gall. Hugh, welcome to the show. Hello. We're having a bad connection here, Hugh. Not well, buddy. Not well at all. Why don't you call? Why don't you try try calling us again? Maybe we can can get a better connection. All right. Yeah, he's Gonzo. Nanette, welcome to the show. Hi. How are you? Good. Good. I just uh, tuned in uh, shortly, so I'm not up on the entire program, but I couldn't help but make my first call. Uh, I wanted to make a comment about the statement that was made regarding having kids get to work earlier. Maybe this will help with yep. the whole situation. All right. Um. I think that the, the, the whole problem that we're having as a society is a little bit deeper than that. Mm -hmm. And I don't think putting kids into the workforce at a young age is going to be the answer. I think that where we're looking again, it's another one of these stories on parenting skills. And um, I sort of sit back and see all of the things that are happening as we have uh, family ourselves. And oftentimes what I see with the youth that, and the problems that are surfacing is that they actually have, I don't believe, any direction, nor have they been given direction sometimes. Many of them have difficulties in that way. And it's not to dump the problems totally on the parents, but um, there is a need in our society to increase our parenting skills overall. I, I would almost like to see... Well, you know, it's funny because I know that I started getting direction in my life when I started working. My father dragged me out to the construction sites when I was a little kid, and I, start, I saw how things were made. I saw how things were done. I saw how business operated. Yeah. And that gives you a lot of direction, whereas well, if I no, had stayed not, home I'm all day... I'm not disagreeing with it. I mm -hmm. have a son who's always had a little part-time job and picked mm -hmm. something up for his own uh, needs since he was about 16. But uh, to me, that was plenty young enough. But what I'm saying before that... Uh, our children have been so involved in community. Uh, he was with Air Cadets. He did all kinds of community service work. The self-esteem and the direction he got from that involvement was absolutely incredible. And uh, the same thing is happening with our daughter. Uh, they've done a lot of work with seniors. And it's not that you're saying to them, oh, go out and sacrifice yourself. I, I think it's just an entirely uh, an attitude about a way of life. And, 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 and that you, make a, you, know, you make a wonderful point, but I'm going to ask you something. Uh -huh. As a parent, uh -huh. and just a recent sto or story that came out last week saying uh -huh. that Canadians and working parents have no time. I, our leisure time is nil. Exactly. We have to make choices, though, Dan. We, I, I, I agree, Mary. We have to make time. Um, years ago, I was involved with creating courses. We saw this coming in the work I happened to have been involved in about 10 years ago. And uh, what I saw was children at a very young age, and I'm talking kindergarten and grade one, who were showing signs of stress. Yeah. and created what I called a child program. And uh, 
it, it basically dealt with that. And um, myself, I can think of many times where I come in the door and think, oh, my Lord, how am I going to uh, handle all of these other things that are coming in with my family coming in who need this, that, the other thing? And it does. It comes down to a matter of priorities. There's a great right. deal in, in our lifestyle ourselves that, that my husband and I both have had to set aside. And the truth of the matter is... Parenting is a very serious thing, and mm -hmm. it is a, a huge responsibility, mm -hmm. and we have uh, set aside a lot of the things that we normally maybe would like to do, instead geared that energy to either supporting some of the uh, things that our children are involved in, or it could be at that moment their needs, or uh, them coming in the door out of the blue showing that they're upset or there's been something going on at school or they're working through some peer things or what have you, it's an incredible, uh, it's a very hard job. So, so if I were to extrapolate on your argument, then Annette, in, in the case of these 16 to 20 year olds that, that killed this young boy, are you suggesting then the parents should be held more responsible? No, I'm not suggesting that at all. Oh. I'm not, I'm not, I'm saying that that we're looking at a bandage solution by saying, oh, well, we can solve it there. I think this, this goes down so far that we have to, almost as a society, I think that we have to sort of stop and start to... Uh, Coming from here, and, and just to jump into, the, into this conversation, is that the, what happened in Toronto, and, 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 and please articulate if I'm wrong, what uh -huh. happened in Toronto uh -huh. was not... A um, it was not a result. It, it, it you, no. you see, it was. It's not the cause. No, the cause is deeper. Definitely than that. Definitely so. And um, uh, I mean, and it isn't something where you can go up to them and say, "Oh well, come on, let's go and bring you into this prog program." Uh, it, it's going to take a lot more work than that. I think with the youth, as far as our society today, where we're at at this moment, it's a much serious pro more of a serious problem that I think we are realizing and I think that uh, we have to very seriously start coming up with um, a whole change of attitude and approach and um, I, I agree with what you're saying here but how will that help us resolve the situation with someone who's already killed someone would you not agree that well, these people should be locked away on that exact situation um, uh, I don't know the kids involved. I'd have to agree with the, the comment that I just, when I just turned my radio on as I got in the car, uh, was made that it, that it is, in fact, a youth gang. I mean, when you have more than one person together and they are, you know, threatening or intimidating, that is a gang. Exactly. And um, there is a lot of that happening every day. Nanette, uh -huh. you, are, you are a first-time caller? Uh -huh. Thank you for calling. You're welcome. You're a voice of reason. All righty. All the best. Bye. Bye now. Hugh, we lost you. We got a better connection. Do some adult sold it to them, or some adult went in and bought them for them, and uh, there isn't very much enforcement of our laws that way, is there? No, but if you go into a Three, bar and have a couple of drinks and then go and kill someone, the bar is held responsible, aren't they? Mm -hmm. um, yes, often, well, no, often they are partially responsible. So, so, that kid, those cigarettes be held partly responsible. Well... That's a very good. That's a very good point. I don't think the first point was valid. I don't think a bar owner should be held responsible. Well, I think. No, but they under the law now. But they are. Well, they are. But that's wrong. That's just a money grab. On on the other hand, the cigarette didn't cause the problem. 
The cigarette yeah, was the... kid had the cigarettes. If he didn't have the cigarettes, they would have left them alone. Well, but they like offered saying... him the cigarettes, that, and, and that, didn't, that didn't save the but young man. The point man. is, he's got to be 19 to have cigarettes. Well, I, I agree 19. with That's you. That's like the argument. If there wasn't money in banks, bank robbers wouldn't go there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, my like, second point the, was, that's put, not... put these young kids to work. When I was in high school, I had to work every... We're losing you again, and he and Huey, and we got your point. <laughs> hey, you'd like that one, Bob. Put these kids to work. How do we know they don't work? We don't know who these kids are. We don't know whether they work. Let's see if we can squeeze another call in. Catherine, welcome to the show. You're on the air. Oh, good morning. I agree with Bob Metz that if teenagers aren't going to school, they should be either working or taking up a trade. You know, it's when they're not, when they don't have anything to do that they get into trouble. Don't you think so? I, I think it's very sad if they're not in school uh, when, they're, when they're of school age and so on. I agree with you. And if, if people have decided to leave school, yes, we should have more job opportunities for them. Absolutely. You know, school, age, school days are the best days of your life. At least they were with me. Well, I think there are lots of people who would agree with you and lots of people who wouldn't. They certainly were for me. But there are lots of people who really hated school, like John Snowblin. School, yeah. School. Yeah, well, you know, like if they worked, they could get some money then. You know, they're always looking for money, these kids, you know. But uh, I think we have to start having a trade school for them. Catherine, we thank you for your call. Thanks for calling Left, Right, and Center. We've got to take a quick break. We'll be back with Marion Boyd and Bob Metz and myself, Dan Gall, right after this in 1290 CJBK. Welcome back to Left, Right, and Center. Here with Dan Gall, along with Marion Boyd on the left, Bob Metz on the right. And we're just about out of time for this, uh, this week's show of Left, Right, and Center. But, Marion, I, I, I did clip this out for you, thinking of you in mind. Out of the National Post, I think. Eh? Because, <laughs> because I thought it would be... I, I would like your take on this. I'd like your, your thoughts on this. But the headline on the front page of a major newspaper the national post the national post has become canada's best-selling national newspaper according to an independent audit a year after its launch the paper has a larger paid circulation than any other nationally circulated daily bully 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 <laughs> <laughs> you trying to rub that in Marion's face or something? I oh, know. I know she's such a big fan of Conrad. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, there is a dispute uh, that uh, if you read the Star as well as the National Post, you'll know that the Globe and the Star have both uh, uh, made comment about this. There the fight go. continues. The fight continues. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, thank Dan. you. Bob Metz, Marion Boyd with Left, Right and Center, and thank the callers for your participation. With you, we couldn't have done it. 643-1290, star 1290 on the Cantel Network is the numbers to call to remember for Ask the Experts. We have another great show for you on Ask the Experts with Bud Polehill to help out with some car information. If you're having car problems, you can give us a ring right after the 12 o'clock news, which is next. I'm Dan Gull. We'll talk to you then.